I have been listening to Audible for years. It just started with a free trial and my favorite Ellen Hildebrand book. And then once I realized how much I could accomplish in a day, like cooking for the kids, cleaning, organizing the house, you name it, um, while being entertained, I was hooked. It has all of my favorite fiction books, but it also has our favorite books on natural birth like Mindful Hypnobirthing, Birth Without Fear, Birthing From Within, Natural Childbirth, The Bradley Way, just to name a few. If you use my link, you can get 30 days free of Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com slash birthnaturally. And I suggest starting with Ina May's Guide to Childbirth if you haven't already, because that is a listener favorite. So once again, just go to audibletrial.com slash birthnaturally for 30 days free. Welcome to Birth Naturally. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Kate. And we are sisters having a conversation about everything from med-free birth to natural parenting. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. This week, Kaylee is joining us in the conversation. We chat with Sheila, who has a very unique perspective on birth because she is in the medical field so we hear about her journey to a natural birth with her second which was in the hospital so it's it's it was great to hear how she kind of really informed herself on everything about natural birth with her second and led to you know an amazing hospital birth so yeah you guys are going to really enjoy that conversation but we also have a fun announcement to tell you guys about. Um, I know we mentioned it on Instagram yesterday, so we are super excited about this. You know, we've been doing the podcast for three years now, off and on. I can't say we've been super consistent, but we're really, well, I think we've gotten a lot better with that. But, you know, it is, it's time consuming and it's, you know, it's a lot of work. So we are offering a new you can subscribe now to get more episodes. So that, <laughs> it's really gonna help us out, but it's also going to give you more content, um, which I'm sure a lot of you will appreciate. So we still will be doing, you know, for everybody, you can still listen every other week to our birth stories, and that's not going to change. But with our new subscription, you can get two, ex two extra episodes a month, for $2.99, so not super expensive. Um, and so those episodes, I mean, they might be an additional birth story. They will be conversations with, you know, people in the birth, you know, field, um, conversations about pregnancy, postpartum. We also have this idea to do some funny labor and parenting stories, and I'm really excited about that because I think bringing some humor into this wouldn't be a bad thing um and yeah we have some more ideas so you'll be getting two extra episodes a month they will be you know something along the lines of what I just mentioned um and we're very excited and really looking forward to you know continuing this podcast and keep growing and you know getting <laughs> something in return for all of our hard work we would really you know love that we put so much time and energy into this and 
you know, so many of you are so grateful for it, and it seems like a lot of you, um, it's really helped in your, in the outcome of your birth, and for that, that's amazing. I mean, we're so excited. Um, so yeah, you can either continue, keep going, you get your two episodes a month, or you can get four episodes a month and um, subscribe. And yeah, we would really appreciate it, you guys, if um, if you would, you know, be a part of our new subscription. Um, yeah, we're very excited. Um, let us know what you guys think, um, if you think the price is too high or too whatever, or if you want additional content um we've been trying to get your input on instagram but let us know yeah like what if there's anything else that you have in mind because we are very very open to your ideas so thank you guys for letting me chat about that and let's just get into sheila's story they say giving birth is equivalent to running a marathon but what about being pregnant and building a company from scratch while taking on the multivitamin aisle that is the story of Ritual's founder, Kat Schneider, who started Ritual because she couldn't find a prenatal she could trust. So I just started recently taking the Essential for Women multivitamin, and it's been great so far. They are super gentle on my stomach. I can even take them without food, which is just very convenient. And yeah, it's great because I just wanna fill some gaps in my diet and I feel like this is exactly what I need. They're also great tasting, like the, the Essential for Women multivitamins have like this minty taste, so I'm so not used to that. I'm used to that like not so great aftertaste, so that's been awesome as well. So although I am not pregnant, Ritual has a prenatal that you can trust. They are made with traceable ingredients. You can literally look at a map and see where all the ingredients have come from, which is super cool. And you better believe I checked that out and I loved it. And all of the ingredients are vegan, bioavailable, and clinically studied key nutrients for before and during pregnancy. They're also non-GMO project verified, gluten, and major allergen free. So why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during their first month. Visit ritual.com slash birthnaturally to start Ritual or add Essential for Women prenatal to your subscription today. Welcome, Sheila. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, why don't you start by telling us a little about you and your family? Yeah, so um, I'm a resident radiology physician um, in my third year of training. So for those that are not super familiar with medicine, it's um, four years of college, four years of medical school. And then for me, it's five years of residency and one year of fellowship. So I'm in year three out of five of, of residency. Um, and I'm going into breast radiology, so it's a very niche field, but I will be the one doing your mammograms, your ultrasounds, like reading them, I mean, and then mm -hmm. also performing your biopsies. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's quite a bit, but it's, it's a very rewarding field to be able to, you know, identify breast cancer and help, help women through that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that is a lot to be doing with two babies. So <laughs> <laughs> why, why don't you 
tell us a little bit about how you decide to start your family and how that's been going through medical school while starting a family? Yeah, so I was really hesitant. I, I mean, it's such a long career that you kind of need to plan a little bit in advance. So I knew that we were probably going to have to start trying like in residency sometime. That's just like the prime fertile years. I, you don't know if you're going to have any issues conceiving. So mm-hmm. we ended up trying, um, like trying, but not trying just like kind of stop. Like I took out my IUD in, um, like at, towards the end of medical school in my last year, I was really nervous about it, but we ended up getting pregnant like immediately. Um, uh, and we were very fortunate to have that happen. Um, and I was pregnant during all of my interviews, which I think that's like, that was my main concern is, is someone, is a program going to discriminate against me because I'm pregnant? Because back then it was before the COVID pandemic. Um, so everything was still in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, like I was successful on my interviews, obviously. And um, I wouldn't want to join a program that didn't, you know, like that discriminated against me because I wanted to start a family. So right. I'm glad that was the program that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband and I, I met my husband in uh, 2013 in St. Petersburg, Russia, and he is actually French. So it's a very odd story, but we (laughs) longed for a while. And, and then he became a citizen eventually here after we got married. And so now we have two kids. Um, Philo is Philomena is her full name, but we call her Philo. She's my first, she's three years old. And then we have Noah is my second. He's 15 months. Well, first, awesome. I just I just want to say I love those names. Yeah, and second, me too. <laughs> I also have a husband. My husband is English, and we went through the whole process of going through. Um, he's he still has a green card, but he'll be getting his citizenship soon. So I get it. That's that's a lot. That's a lot to go through and start a family and re- residency and medical school. So yeah, exciting mm-hmm. story you have to share. Seriously. <laughs> So how did your pregnancy go, Um, especially, you know, being in school at the time? Like, how did, how did you feel? Um, Honestly, I just felt, I didn't have like the extreme nausea. I was very fortunate. Um, I felt like it went very well. I really just had extreme exhaustion. Like I Mm -hmm. would sleep for hours. I mean, and that never, like I would take a nap for like three or four hours and then I would like go to sleep within a couple hours of waking up from my nap. It was just, oh my gosh. I was just not used to that. And I was, I was at the like fittest point of my life. I was, you know, running like 20 miles a week and stuff. And I just didn't realize like how much growing a baby would slow you down. Like I just could not even, like I could run like maybe one or two miles and then I would just feel exhausted. And I, I don't know. I just, the thought of growing a baby, like I just didn't realize that it would you know, it would take such a toll on your body. Yeah, it, it really does. It really does. So how did you, did you always want to have a natural birth with your first or is that something that you came along to later on? Why don't you tell us about how that went? Yeah, I always did. Um, and, but I felt like my reasons for wanting it was just kind of, you know, coming from a medical background, like I am kind of more familiar with the complications of medicines and so I have always been the type of person that just doesn't want to take like we'll try to avoid taking medicines and we'll try the natural route first and and that was kind of my reasoning for 
wanting a natural birth was just, you know, like women have done it for centuries. Like, I know I can do it. I'm a strong person. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, that did not work out with my first. So I ended up getting it at the durable. Which we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we hear that a lot. It's, um, you know, you think it's, it's a, nat it's just like breastfeeding too. People think, oh, it's, it's, it comes naturally. It, you know, it, right. It's, um, oh. I think what we've learned with talking to so many women is that yeah, going into it like, oh, I just don't want to get it. Um, it doesn't always work. For some people, I guess it does, but most of the time it doesn't. Like you have to do the research to really yeah. the preparation mentally. And yeah, do yes, exactly. Like the mental preparation is the most important part. <laughs> Agreed. It's such it's such a mental game for sure. Mm-hmm. So how did your first birth go? And you know, what, what did you like and not like about it? And what kind of changed your mind for the second one around? Yeah. So I, um, I did not want an induction. I had heard just so many, just like, just, you know, from other women that it was, that it would just kind of accelerate the labor process. And I was like, I don't even know if I can handle labor by itself, like at its natural pace. So I just wanted to avoid that. And my OB was really nice. She said that, you know, um, she would let me go until 42 weeks after that, the risk of like intrauterine fetal demise goes up significantly. Um, but I know that some women like their OBs will not let them go past like 41 weeks. So I, I was glad that she would let me go to 42. And so yeah. I was at 40 week appointment and, um, I guess baby, the baby was measuring small, like, you know, when they measure you just, like with the, with the tape measure or whatever, she was just measuring a little bit small. So she sent me for an ultrasound and then the, all of her like biophysical profile results were fine, but she was like measuring smaller on that ultrasound. And I don't really like, I'm not very familiar with OB, so I don't know why that would like prompt you to want to get the baby out. Maybe cause they're just like not growing well in your uterus. So they need the baby to come out or something, but mm -hmm. she was recommending like, okay, so at so you're 40 weeks now, but, um, I don't think you should go past 41 weeks. Um, and so that was like on a Wednesday or a Thursday and I would, would be turning 41 weeks on that Saturday. So I asked her to, um, like strip my membranes and it, that she's like, Oh, you know, that may or may not work or whatever. Um, but it actually ended up did work. I mean, it did work. Cause like when she checked me that day, I was only one centimeter or something. Um, and then when she stripped my membranes, I remember feeling like crampy that evening when I was going out for a walk, I tried like all the little myths that they recommend. Um, and so I went <laughs> long walk and then I started feeling a little crampy. And then of course, like labor just always starts in the evening when you're like exhausted. So I was, it, it had like, it was like more regular, um, contractions at that point. Um, and then, um, I started like jotting everything down my mom had actually so my family is not around us um so my mom had actually like flown in and she was like waiting she was like in our tiny apartment for like two weeks prior to <laughs> oh my God. it's just so hard to predict like when you're because mm -hmm. she went earlier so I was like oh maybe I will go earlier and of course I like went past my due date mm -hmm. so, yeah you, you just never predict it no um <laughs> So I, so then I was, um, kind of like my husband was there and I was like, I don't know if anything's going to happen today. Um, so he, like, I, I actually had heard of, 
I think, I don't know if it was the last podcast, but someone was on recently and they were like, yeah, my husband has insomnia and he took a sleeping pill. And that's like exactly what my husband did. Oh, yeah. No. yeah, I was like no. cracking up at that. Yes. <laughs> get him up. Yes, exactly. Like he was just, he has like severe insomnia. So he took mm -hmm. like a pretty bad a sleeping pill and then it was like really kicking in. And I was like, oh, oh man. So I didn't have like a doula or a midwife or anything. So I was like completely reliant on him as a partner and helping me through this. And I just felt like he, I don't know. I mean, like it was both of our first. So like, he didn't know like how much pressure to apply. And he was also like half asleep. So like I was in my apartment and I think at that point I was like, I was both me and my mom, we were like, we were eager to just like get to the hospital because like around people like professionals that knew what they were doing to like help me through this. Um, as soon as my water broke, like it was like a gush of water all over. It was like, I could feel the baby kicking and then she kicked. And then I felt my water burst like all over the bed. Um, and then we were like, okay, we got to go right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no clue, like how about the timeline or anything. And so they were like, okay, why don't you come on in? Um, and she came in. I don't remember if she checked. I think she did check me when we got in and it was like four centimeters. It was like nothing exciting. I was just, uh, I was just like, so <laughs> frustrated at that point, you know, mm -hmm. feeling of, yeah, you feel like you've like gone through so much suffering and then you're just like, yeah. that, that number, even though it really doesn't like mean anything, cause you would go from four to 10 in an hour, but it really is like a mind game. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It's a mind. It's totally a mm -hmm. mind. Um mm -hmm. and then I also didn't know like what to not ask for in terms of intervention. So like I remember having an IV and like having being connected to like an IV. Oh yeah. Control. Like it wasn't just like I actually had like an IV running and I don't know why they do that. Um I think you mm -hmm. have to like specifically ask, like, hey, I don't want <laughs> fluids. Yeah. Unless you're getting, um, unless you're getting an epidural, you don't need fluids. Right. Or yeah, or and it, it, it can. I remember with my first, they did that, and I was so swollen from those fluids. Yeah. It's just, ooh, yeah. But I didn't know. <laughs> exactly. There's just like so much. I, you know, if I had done my research, I would have known that, but I didn't research mm -hmm. enough, obviously. Mm -hmm. So then, um, I had thought that the best way like I had I had done some research like I had watched some videos um and I had heard like okay encouraging labor is best if you just like walk around so I was walking around all the hallways with my IV pole just like stopping every mm -hmm. like, 10 feet like uh, you know and she was the nurse was amazing she would provide this like intense back pressure like with her fists and it was just the best thing like it relieved my pain completely it just like went away and my husband was like I was like can you push harder like I want you to push <laughs> harder and he just like could not provide that pressure that mm -hmm. she could um and then I at the at this point I was like shaking um and I was getting I just felt like so overwhelmed I was like can you check me again because I was like this has got to be I have got to be like so close to delivering mm -hmm. and she checked me and I was six centimeters and I was like you you are kidding me I've been here for like hours and I'm only six centimeters and at that point like during a really painful contraction she was like do you want the epidural and 
I was like, oh man, like in my like whatever birth plan or whatever I had said, you know, I don't, I want to go natural or whatever, but it's so difficult. Like when you're in that moment and when someone asks you like, do you want this? It's like, yeah, of course I want my pain taken away. Yeah. Um, and I know I, one of you had talked about your birth stories and said that like something similar, like you had had two epidurals and it's just so hard during a contraction. Yes. I, no, I, I, the, I was the same way. Cause with my second, I was like, I think I'll go natural. And I was kind of the same way. Like I did, I, I did the whole walking around the hallway with the IV pole too, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, they did the same thing. They were like, like I was like no 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 I don't want it and then she she left the room and I had a really hard contraction I was like Steve get her back in here I need it now (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. it's so hard they're like it's your last chance and you're like what (laughs) um and so then she like okay we're gonna and she like put in I guess two liters or something of fluid um like she rushed it and then the anesthesiologist came down and he was like oh he was like so nonchalant he's like oh you're you're actually she's actually a natural one like because he had I guess he had like everybody else on that unit was inductions or something or or something so he's like oh you're not he just like wasn't familiar (laughs) he was just um so rare yeah so rare naturally yeah exactly I was like yeah just put this in me get this over with so then yeah. get it and it was like immediate relief like I felt nothing mm-hmm. basically I felt nothing from my so then obviously like you can't walk around or anything you have to have a catheter in so mm-hmm. I was just on my bed and a- immediately after that like labor slowed down immensely like I think that was around 11 p.m or something and then I delivered at um, noon the next day Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. So they actually had to give me Pitocin, which I didn't realize until afterwards, like when I was reading my notes, like I didn't even realize I had gotten Pitocin, but they, <laughs> they like must have told me or maybe they just didn't. I don't know. But I I, guess, wow. I, I feel like sometimes they don't. I feel like sometimes it's just well, like once you have the epidural, they're like, why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the OB just will order something and then it'll just go go in your IV. You're so like. <laughs> tired you just don't even notice it and they just right. don't, I don't know that's crazy <laughs> yeah so anyway after that I um like they said okay it's time to push and um the whole time I had not felt anything I didn't even feel any of the pushing really I was just like okay I just pushed on command when they told me to it was like a very out-of-body experience like just felt not in control of my own body so you didn't feel any pressure or anything? I probably did feel like the pressure, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel any pain. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. It is hard to push when you're so numb. Cause like, I know some people say if they like, if the epidural isn't too much, if you don't get too much of it or too high, whatever, um, then you're kind of like at a good point where you're like, you know how much to push. But when you're so numb, you're just kind of like, okay, well, I'm I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing, but it's hard, especially with your first, it's, it's hard to know how to actually push and when you don't feel anything. Exactly. Yeah. I think I was just, at that point, I was just so over it that I was like mm-hmm. pushing so much. Like I oh, was so hard. Yeah. So hard. And of course I like had like a third degree tear after, but of course, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know how much exactly like you were saying. So mm-hmm. they um, told me to push and then 
it took me 10 minutes I was just like I'm over oh my this gosh that's it <laughs> yes I was like I just need this, to see this baby I was like so over it. and yeah um I don't know I, I just had a very easy pushing experience at that point um she came out and then she was crying and then they just like put her up on me and I was like so thankful to see her and um but and then afterwards like the uh lactation consultant came in and she was like okay like let's try to get you to let's try to get her to latch and I had no idea what I was doing as a first time <laughs> so it was like she was like okay why don't you just take this and she gave me the nipple shield which I feel like I don't know. I have like an issue with that, with just like giving you the nipple shield, like right away as if this is like something that you need when, you know, you don't necessarily know that you need it unless until later on in your journey. I don't know if any of you experienced that, but like, I have heard so many women have just gotten the nipple shield right away. And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of stories about that. I have a good friend who's a lactation consultant actually too. And it's kind of, it's hard to, I think, to get off of using that when you, when you start off that way and it just adds another step because when you're starting, especially your first, when you're starting, and I can tell you with even your fourth, sometimes you have difficulties breastfeeding. Um, It's, you know, it just adds another layer of, of something. I don't, I think first you should kind of get down to the basics and learn, but yeah, it's, Oh, so did you, so what happened with your breastfeeding then did you did you have to use the nipple shield the, your whole time breastfeeding or how what was that like yeah no I just I like would call the lactation consultants in pretty much every time I tried to put her to the breast because she it was just it was so painful and I didn't realize that like they always say like oh it's not painful at all it shouldn't be painful at all but like I don't think that's true I think I even think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not true. Like your, your tissues are like, so I don't know. I mean, they're not used to the, the suctioning and everything like that. So I think it can hurt definitely, especially those first few weeks. I Um, I agree. I remember very vividly with my first, and then it was less so with subsequent babies, but with, I mean, the first, I don't know, maybe four weeks, every time I would lash, my toes would curl because it was so painful, but (laughs) it was just he had a good latch it was just I was you know you weren't used to that but then you kind of get desensitized I think you know exactly yeah um and she had um like our my husband and I have different blood types so they have to do like a Coombs test because um I guess like the antigen can attack the other the baby's blood or whatever and so I'm not like RH positive but I um like the actual letters are different between the two of us. So she like had um, hyperbilirubinemia. And so that was like a big issue. They were like pushing the formula or pushing, cause like my milk didn't come in until probably like as a first time mom, like day five or six, my mature milk. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept trying to put her to the breast, but she was like, the nipple shield was just such a disaster. Like she was just not getting very much. I was struggling. And then I, like all the emotions that go through that, process like not being able to like feed your baby from your breast it's just like so depressing and Mm -hmm. just compounds upon all the feelings that you're already feeling after Mm -hmm. birth when you're just tired and um having a hard (laughs) exactly I just cried so much those first few weeks um 
um I kept seeing lactation like every week after that like I was supplementing with formula until my milk came in and then when my milk came in I was supplementing with my milk so I would like do triple feeding where you um you put the baby to the breast and then you pump and then you bottle feed and so I was up like all night doing all of that and it was that's part of probably the mental health issues and the depression so eventually mm -hmm. I went to lactation like weekly and things were getting better but that was so she was born March 12th 2020 and I think it was that weekend that they started restricting visitors and everything yeah, so yeah. when Gosh. I came in, I tried to go to the hospital like for the group lactation meeting um they were like oh you can't be here with your baby like we're not, nobody can be here, like, unless you have an appointment or something. I was like, oh, I need help with, like, lactation. And they were like, oh, no, 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 like, we can't have anybody here. And so I was just, like, bawling. I was crying. Oh. <laughs> I can't, I need to help, like, feeding her. Like, I need someone to help me feed her. And at that point, like, virtual stuff, like, nobody was really doing that kind of stuff at that point. So mm -hmm. thankfully, I had, like, one of the lactation consultants I had seen in the hospital came she was like, here, let's just find a room. And this is probably not allowed, but let's just not tell anybody. So she went into a room and she helped like, uh, she helped with some of the latching. And then it really took us like five weeks to get off the nipple shield. I didn't realize that actually the nipple shield was causing transfer issues. Like the milk would just pool in there and not, not really go through the holes. So it was like not efficient for the baby. And so when I took the shield off, like everything was solved and it took us five weeks. And part of the issue was that she had such a small mouth. So it was like hard for her to latch on my nipple. But when her mouth grew, as she got older, it like was easier. And so then thankfully we ended up stopping like all the supplementation and um, exclusively breastfeeding until like 15 months when I got pregnant with my second. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, at least it ended well, but oh yes. my gosh, what a struggle. It's such a struggle. I know so many women have struggled and mm -hmm. it's so it, you know, it can be very difficult. It sucks because like, you know, you go through this long, hard labor and you're like, okay, the baby's here now. Everything's good. And you're like, no, it's not. Yes. You think it's supposed to be so easy, but yeah, you that, I know it's like, you never think with your first I don't think many people like prepare that much for breastfeeding, like what issues can arise. Like I had no idea what I was doing, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's tough. Well, I'm glad you guys got through that. Wow. So, okay. So, you know, your birth was long and not, not super easy. Um, you got the intervention. So when you got pregnant with, you know, this, the second time around, did you immediately know, okay, this time is going to be different? Yeah, I, well, I wanted it to be different. I didn't know if I could do it personally. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's so, it's such a tough thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. But I really, I was like, I wanted this with my first and I really want it with my second. But I think that the, I needed like more support during labor. Like my husband was like sleeping during my epidural and he just like was not in the place to help me the way your partner should be helping you just because of like the sleeping pill, just not being prepared. Right. We were like, I was like, I need help. I need to do something different with my second. Um, and I was thinking about like 
looking into a doula, but they are so expensive. And I, are I, they? I, I didn't, I didn't have one, but, um, I, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> no, they're like at least a couple thousand dollars. And, um, oh, it's just like, it's just an investment. And I mm -hmm. think like it's totally worth it if, um, you know, it's totally worth it if that is your goal and they're very, they can be very supportive. I just was like, can I do this without without a doula and my husband like had assured me he was like yes like we're gonna do it differently this time like we can prepare in advance like you just tell me what I need to do and like I will read what you need what I need to read and so I was like okay I can just like rely on him this time things are gonna be different mm -hmm. um when we got pregnant with Noah I actually didn't realize I I mean we weren't really preventing pregnancy throughout um throughout uh like breastfeeding uh, Philo. So we weren't, I mean, it was, he was a surprise, but he was eventually going to happen, especially when your supply dips after the 12 month period. Right. Um, so, so we were, we were very happy. And this, I knew that that year would be the best year to have, they were close. So they were like less than two years apart, but I knew that that would be the best time to have them just in my training. That's like a better year to have a baby. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I went up, I went about it a little differently. Like I, I did a lot more research. I watched, a, for me, I, the listening to people, the podcasts and the, like watching the stories and the vlogs are the best way. I, um, just to like see other women and hear their experiences because yeah, I just felt like it was easier than just reading a book. Although I did read a book. Mm -hmm. I, I'd watched someone who had said that she really liked um, the Bradley method. Have Have you guys heard about that? I've heard of it. I didn't really do much research into it, but yeah, I've definitely heard people talk about it. And yeah, and it, so it's supposed to be like a, a method where you completely relax, and um, that's like the that's like the basis of the method. And it's so it's not as much breathing like Lamaze's, but it's mm -hmm. like total relaxation and lack and releasing tension from your body so there's like a certain position that you're supposed to be in to totally relax your body there's a book called like um natural birth the bradley way i think and mm -hmm. i read i like got that on um a pdf and i started reading it i didn't finish it because i just was just too busy but i was like trying to like prioritize and practice the positions and like i would practice them with my husband um, cause it's a very specific way that you're supposed to like put your hands and stuff to not cause like pressure on certain joints. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did a lot of that and then I watched a lot of stories and then I was just like, okay, when labor happened. So when I went into labor, um, it was like the morning I knew because like with my first, I didn't have any false labor. I knew like, as soon as I started feeling cramping, that, that was probably going to be it and she had I didn't want to be checked at all with this baby but she was like okay we should probably check you at 39 weeks and so she checked and I was already three centimeters I had felt like a lot of pressure down there more so than with my first so I knew that I was like probably going to go earlier than with my first mm -hmm. so I ended up going into labor around 39 weeks and um five days or something like that so it was before I was due, uh, slightly before I was due um mm -hmm. and then uh it happened in that in the morning um and it was just like subtle cramping and I was like please let this baby come during the day like when I'm awake yeah and 
of course that never happens no. <laughs> like, everybody is asleep <laughs> so like it went all day like it started around 8 a.m um on in a day in december and then it went till like all night basically so it it was like picking up in the evening like they were coming like every 20 minutes apart the contractions but it wasn't anywhere like regular enough for me to go to the hospital Mm -hmm. and with this baby I was like I am not going to the hospital like I'm going to too soon (laughs) yeah I was like I'm going to delay because that's just like another way for me to be tempted into like giving into this because I know that it's a mental game and if I don't have access to it like I know you were saying like if you go to a birth center and you don't have access to those medications it's like easier than if oh, you're in the definitely <laughs> so true yes so, so the less time you have there yeah the better your chances are <laughs> exactly so um my I was like doing the poses and I was listening to this um like hypnobirthing app um you have to like pay for it to get full access but then there was like a free trial so I just did that and I was like I'll just cancel after the baby (laughs) Uh, and then I so I listened to that and it was just so soothing um and I was like my husband was there and he was providing a lot of pressure um uh and then my water broke like on the bed again and so then I rushed like I, I got off the bed and he was like busy like washing the sheets and stuff and then I was like okay I'm gonna go take a shower I don't know what happened I must have lost track of time there's something magical about water when you're yes. pregnant yeah. <laughs> so true it's so true it's so I, I was like in the shower I don't know I must have been in the shower for an hour I I literally lost track of time like I was we had stopped we were like not really tracking at that point like my husband yeah. was like okay it's probably every like 10 minutes and then at that point we had stopped tracking so they must have been coming like every five minutes four minutes like that and mm-hmm. we just, I just didn't realize and and then I got out of the shower and I don't know what happened but I was like screaming and my daughter oh my was like, sleeping in the other room we have a small house and so like it wasn't intentional it was just like it it was coming like the baby was coming so mm-hmm. um I like just couldn't control it I just was like screaming and um then my mom my, my parents were there again they had arrived like two days before so thankfully they were there and we um my mom jumped in the car my husband jumped in the car and then um we were like thankfully only live 10 minutes away from the hospital so um I know some of your uh the people that you invite on for your podcast live like hours away. And yeah. I, I don't know. Like the baby would have come in the car if that was the case. Because oh, yeah. I can't. <laughs> Sounds like, like it. Yeah. I was having like that fetal ejection reflex or like where oh, you keep yeah. Yeah, pushing and it, the, your body's just doing the pushing and that was happening like in the car. Um, oh my gosh. No. <laughs> That's not no, even that good. I was aware of that before like you were you aware of what that sensation was because I had that with my first and I was they kept saying to me stop pushing and I was like I'm not and I didn't know what was happening it was like bizarre yeah I had done so much I had done enough research at that point to know that that was what was happening but I also had not ever experienced that because I had the epidural with my first Mm -hmm. it's intense it is intense it's like you want to stop it but you can't control it no that baby's coming out (laughs) yes um and I remember just 
there was some construction on the highway and I was telling my husband like can we just like go through the construction (laughs) I could like it took it takes like two minutes to like not go through the construction and go through an alternate route but I was just so like I was like I need to get to the hospital and (laughs) he was like no 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 and I was like he drives like a grandma so I was like please drive fast like drive fast like I was like screaming (laughs) and um like like crawling out of my seat like I couldn't like I couldn't just like sit in my seat like it was just I needed to it was just so like yeah um so then uh he was about to take a left to go to the hospital I was like no you must turn it's right I've been here so many times you have to turn right he's like no Sheila's like, I think it's, I think it is left. Like it is left. And I was like, no, it's right. And it, of course it was left. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. Like I don't know. <laughs> he was like, totally right. I was just like, I don't know, somewhere else. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm used to coming from the other direction. <laughs> okay. I mean, he was just such a champ. He was just so nice. <laughs> um, eventually we got there and they put me in a wheelchair and then I, that's just their policy. Like you go to the ED and you have to like sit in the wheelchair or whatever. Um, they don't let you like walk up there by yourself. Um, so she put me in the wheelchair and she was like, okay, just relax, relax. And then um, I go into the room and then the nurse asks me, Hey, okay. Can you like pee into this cup? Cause they, they always check your protein, I guess, every time you go in. So um, she made me pee in the cup and then she was like, okay, I'm going to check you. And she, she checked me. She's like, oh man, you're like, you're nine and a half. <laughs> she's oh my like, gosh. there's going to be no time for an epidural. And I was like, okay, I guess good. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what I wanted. <laughs> and at that point, then like all the nurses had like swarmed around me and they were like trying to put the IV in and it was just so painful. I was like, I, it was, there was, it was, there was more pain from like them putting in the I trying to put the IV in me like it was just distracting you know because they yeah. like, couldn't find the vein or whatever um finally she got the IV in and it like I made sure that it was just like an IV block like I wasn't connected to a pole or anything um and then uh the OB came in and she said hey I just it was not my OB it was one of the ones on call and she said hey you know I just want you to know there's not enough time for that epidural I am going to warn you, it is going to hurt. And I was like, okay, this is what I need to hear. But um, I don't know, like, I I guess I kind of appreciated that she was just like straightforward about it. Um, I already knew it was going to hurt, but I like, in my mind, I was thinking like, I didn't want to think of it as pain, I guess. I, yeah, pain with purpose, right? And it's like Mm -hmm. pressure and you have a, it's like not abnormal pain, like when you would break an arm or something, it's like, there's a purpose to this. Yeah, yeah but and you you've got, also been in labor for a while and yes. you know, you're already feeling like the intensity. You've, you've gotten through, like you've gotten to the end at this point. Like Yes, exactly. I was like, okay, whatever. And so then she's like, okay, I think like you can start pushing whenever you feel ready. And so I was on the bed and I remember telling them I was like, I don't think I should be pushing like on my back in this position. And like nobody did anything. And I was just like, so like the contractions were coming on top, one on top of the other that I was so out of it. And like, I didn't Mm -hmm. know like how to change my position or whatever. I was, I was fine with just like being on my back. I know that's probably like not the best way to push your baby out, but I was just like, at that point I was just like, I just want the baby out. Yeah. Any Uh, way that works is the best way. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So then, um, I pushed and I remember 
like them being like, okay, go ahead and push. And I remember feeling like, okay, this is coming out the other end. This is probably TMI, but like, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm pushing. And this is not, this is not, <laughs> this is not me pushing the baby out. This is the other end. <laughs> it is like the same feeling though. Like how, like, it's so hard to like, I don't know. It's a differentiate that. Yeah. When yeah. There's that pressure, it is. Like, no, no. Even if you're not pooping, when you are pushing, you're like, no, 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 no. Just, I remember saying the one with one of my kids, I was like, just let me go to the bathroom. I just need to get, and they were like, no, that's not what this is. Like the, <laughs> the whole time I was in labor with like, I think my second and third, I'm saying to my husband, am I pooping? Am I pooping? And they were like, don't worry about it. Just get the baby out. <laughs> I was like so worried about it. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like so different when you can feel like what, you know, you can feel what's if it's happening. Yeah. You can feel what's yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I started and I was like, okay, that's not right. And then I pushed on the next contraction and that I had read it and I had listened to the Ring of Fire, but it's nothing like. I don't know. You can't like really prepare for it until you experience mm-hmm. it. It's mm-hmm. it's a feeling of immense pressure and feeling like like splitting almost. But yeah. Yeah. it's like it's like very short. If for me at least it was. It was very yeah. short. Like but I also think part of me didn't realize like, okay, like the ring of fire is gonna be there not just with the head, but with the shoulders. Like I mm-hmm. didn't understand that. Like the baby, the baby's head came out and I was like, it's over. And I was so happy. And then like <laughs> the next contraction, it was like again. Uh, pressure again. I was like, what? Oh Why didn't anybody tell me there was two ring of fires? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny just you saying that. I mean, and I'm very, you know, I have an almost eight week old. I can just like I can feel it. <laughs> just you saying ring of fire. Yes, I can, I can. I think it's a feeling that you just never forget, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but once the shoulders were out, like the body just like fell out, like the rest of it's fine. Um, and I barely tore with the second one. I had like, she said it was like a, it wasn't even like a first degree or anything. It was like a periclitoral tear is the only part. And so she was like, mm-hmm. it's like close to the urethra and the clitoris. So. Um, we're going to just like try to put a stitch in it. And then she recommended that um, I have a catheter in just, she's like, just because if it did go through the urethra, then if like after all the swelling and stuff, it would be really hard for us to put in a catheter after that, after the fact. So it's Mm -hmm. just better to just have it in now in case you know, there is an issue with it. And she's Mm -hmm. like, just for 24 hours, like we'll take it out and I was like, okay, whatever. So I, I, she like, she was like for the sewing part, I rec, I do recommend like a little bit like a fentanyl, some fentanyl. And I was like, do I really need it? Cause I was like, all of this is like unmedicated. I was like, do I really need that? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. <really good." laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay, I, I will just, this part will be medicated. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's like, I don't think just local is enough. So she gave me local and then the and I didn't feel anything after the fentanyl. Um, and then, of course, like, you're able to, like, walk around, like, even with a catheter, like, right after you have a natural birth, you can, like, walk around, which is amazing. And mm-hmm. um, baby, like, as soon as uh, the baby, I forgot to say, as soon as the baby was born, they, um, I had to listen to a podcast by, I think her name is, like, Adriana Lozano. She has, like, a 
she has another podcast out there of um and she invites some of her guests are like um experts in certain fields and i remember listening to one of them that said that talked about suctioning the baby and how Mm -hmm. suctioning is not like routinely recommended by the american college of gynecology and obstetrics and how like it's just it's not necessary even if you suspect like meconium it's not necessary to suction the baby mm-hmm. um so i didn't know that with my first and so i like the nurse was there with the like suction bulb and i was like oh can you give it a minute because her from that podcast she was saying like you know like the baby can clear their airways naturally like you don't need to like shove a suction bulb up them to be able to clear that mm-hmm. so i i asked for that and then i um was like I want my one hour of uninterrupted skin to skin I like really advocated for that and they were like okay like do you want us to like can we go like do vitals now and I was like no I want this hour so I was able to just advocate for myself more um amazing. And, yeah and breastfeeding like I don't know what it is about the second I think he's just better I don't know um or I knew what I was doing and he latched like right away and it, it was just simple and easy Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh, what a relief. <laughs> yeah. It's so nice that they honored your wishes like that too, because I feel like yeah. right mm-hmm. afterwards, at least I've had two in the hospital and I felt like it was just kind of frenzied right after, you know, and they're mm-hmm. doing this and doing that. And just to have that time to bond and decompress and be like, wow, I did that. That's amazing. Yes. And I don't know. I don't know if maybe because I was like a physician at that point, they were like, okay, like we should listen to her more. And like, I don't know if every patient would feel that yeah. um, would have an experience, but yeah, I was thankful for that for sure. That That's is so me. nice. Wow. What a, what a great experience. Yeah, I think like thinking about my third, I, I, we do want more, but like now we're definitely spacing them out more. I don't know. There's something about having two so close together that you're like, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we want a third, but like, um, I think for my third, I'm thinking of probably getting there a little bit sooner because I just, mm-hmm. like the whole car thing was a, like stressful and it's, it's also yeah. just stressful for the nurses when they are, when you come in and they like know nothing about you and they, they haven't looked you up or anything. They don't even have, like, they just have the room prepared basically. And they just don't know you. Mm-hmm. I think it would be like a little bit better in the future to get there maybe like a little bit earlier, like an hour earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you're not going into the chaos right away and it's just kind of, you're easing into it. Yeah. Yeah. I could see. I, I love hearing positive, you know, a lot of times, at least I hear people kind of vilify hospital births, but I think if you do your research and you do advocate for yourself you can have a really great, it sounds like you had a really great experience. You know? Yes, I totally agree. I think that, I think that hospitals are, are very good at preparing for the worst case scenario. So like mm-hmm. if something were to happen and you could not have this natural birth, like they have the resources to be able to do like a C-section or something and without mm-hmm. transferring you somewhere else. Um, they're like, this hospital is very, my hospital is very good at like supporting. I think they're very good at supporting natural births, mm-hmm. but you have to like advocate for yourself and you have to like have done the research and know like when to say no to things. And so yeah, I think definitely. if you go in like educated and informed, like a hospital birth is not the worst thing. Right. That, that makes so much sense. And luckily you did your research the second time around and knew exactly what you did and didn't want. And 
yeah, yeah. And it's nice when they're on board with your plan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I think just well, at least this is why we do the podcast, just hearing people's stories and knowing what to advocate for and knowing it's possible. It's just so powerful. You know, even if you could read all the books you want, and I think that's something that's kind of lost is, you know, we used to have, and in cultures, birth was, you know, like it was like women were all kind of centered around the birth and they would see it and they would hear about it. And we don't have that so much anymore. So it's kind of like a virtual, like, you know, Mm -hmm. a virtual community that we have that we can all share our different birth stories and women are like okay yes that's normal I can do that I can Mm -hmm. say this I can you know so yeah I really appreciate it's it's neat hearing from your perspective as a medical in the medical from the medical field so yeah definitely yeah (laughs) yeah so was your postpartum experience better this time around oh yeah definitely and I think that's I don't know if it was just all the non-medication and like no IV fluids or whatever, but, um, I did, I did like, so I did, um, have like a more of a purpose going into the second birth and the second labor. And I just thought like I had done some research saying, you know, like the IV fluids can, um, if you get too much, it can like inflate the baby's birth weight. And then there's this whole issue with like supplementing and like trying to like catch the birth weight and so like breastfeeding was like a big thing for me with my first and with my second I was like I just don't want to deal with all the struggles of like being up all night and doing all of that with my second so Mm -hmm. I was like I just don't want the IV fluids and um and so I think like my um recovery was just so much better like I just didn't I wasn't like swollen up I didn't have any um like I could walk immediately after and like even my attitude and everything with my first, I was like, I think that I should probably just stop coffee. Like as soon as I like have, as soon as like the baby's born, like maybe coffee's not okay. And like, I just didn't know like (laughs) coffee's fine when you're breastfeeding. And like, Mm -hmm. I like that probably contributed to like some of the anxiety, like depression or whatever. Just so like with my second, I was just like, I'm just going to eat what I want drink what I want. And it was just, it was just so different. I was just more, I think like your experience and your recovery can be different. Like if you're, if you're better informed and, mm-hmm. and also I just had heard so many women saying like, Oh, after like a natural unmedicated birth, like my recovery was much better. And I don't know if that's just, if that's like, if there's any science to that, or if that's just like women's experience, but I, I, I certainly that it was. I think that there's the hormonal factor too, like that oxytocin you get. And when you're not messing around with you know with pitocin and with fluids and all that and just you're letting the natural process happen there has to be something to that you know I think there and then you're getting that bonding and I I just I definitely think there's something to that because Mm -hmm. physically and emotionally I think it um a natural birth can be you know can help in your healing and make your postpartum experience so much better yeah, that's so true. Wow. Well, do you have any advice for moms who may be considering a med-free birth? Um, I think like the one thing that I would recommend is to just know your purpose and like know why you're know why you're having a med-free birth because mm-hmm. just like wanting to do it because it's just better and you know it's how women have done it is like not enough of a reason for you mm-hmm. to like be able to successfully have one so I think 
my one advice is to just like know your purpose and and do your research and yeah yeah that's very solid advice i agree definitely (laughs) (laughs) and how can our listeners get in touch with you um i am on facebook just sheila s-h-e-i-l-a and then my last name m-a-i-l-l-a-r-d um you can just like message me on there i'm not very i'm not on instagram very much um Mm -hmm. or you can email me sheila like my first dot my last name at gmail.com okay awesome well we'll share that in the notes and thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories with us Thank you for having me. I'm excited to hear Callie's story. I know. Soon. I I know. Soon. (laughs) (laughs) It was great to have you. I'm glad I got to talk to you for my first interview back. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you are enjoying the podcast. And if you are, please leave us a rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And don't forget to follow along on Instagram at birthnaturally. And if you go on there, you can actually see some new merch we have. So we hope that you guys like those designs. And yeah, until next time. Have you guys heard of Love Every? The first time I heard about them was in Jenna's episode, which was all the way back in episode 13. She told us about these products that she was using for her baby, and she mentioned that she didn't even have to buy any other toys or books because she got all of that in these play kits. So they produce educational toys, books, and games, and their subscription boxes. So their toys are built to last and made with sustainably harvested wood, organic cotton, non-toxic paint, and baby-safe plastics. So you don't have to worry about the toys at all. They're completely safe. They're actually Montessori-focused toys, and they're really good for babies and kids' brain development. So they actually now have four-year-old play kits and you can save 10% when you prepay for these play kits for children three and older. So you can just head to the show notes and use the link to save on these amazing products.